Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 How's that? and welcome to this episode of Shoplifting. I'm Emily Waller and I'm delighted to be here with my very special guest today, Trevor Jackson. Hi Trevor. You're delighted to be, are you sure? I am delighted, I'm very delighted. You obviously don't know much about me then. Well, that's what I'm here to find out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I understand you're no stranger to Rough Trade. We're sitting in my favourite shop on the planet. Of course, amazing. So yeah, no, no, I, I spent, I, I, I used to, I, for a while I lived about 30 seconds around the corner okay. on Princess Street. And then apart from that, I've been going, I used to live in West London. So I used to pop into see Nigel in the store in Notting Hill for yeah. years. And then now I probably come in here two, three times a week. I work wow. around the corner. So yeah, wow. Super I'm fun. a regular. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, so before I usually sit down with an artist, we get sent through a little press release about what you've been up to recently. And you've been up to a lot and looking into your kind of history, your career, it's very varied. Um, I kind of want to start with sleeve design and yeah. how, how maybe you got into that. Because I'm really quite interested to know when you're designing a sleeve, is it that you listen to the music and that's what the design's based on? Do you get approached with a brief? How got, does that... I've, I've got to say, firstly, I'm very impressed with your microphone technique. Are you? Because I expected this to be a little bit amateur. Oh. And you're proper pro. Oh, thanks. So yeah, I've, I'm not I'm, afraid, I'm, you but... caught me a little, little bit off guard. Oh no, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. But you've got a radio show, haven't you? I have, but I'm, I, mine's really amateurish. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure no, it's not. trust me, <laughs> it is. Um, the question, um, what do I listen to the music? Yeah, so how do you approach a sleeve design? Is it, do you listen to the music and go off what you hear, what you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I mean, for me, it, it, since I was, uh, I started designing record sleeves in 1988, Wow. Maybe eight, seven, eighty-eight, and that was in the rave kind of early hip hop day. Well, not early hip hop, but kind of in the hip hop days. And yeah, I've always one hundred percent. I couldn't design a sleeve without listening to the music first, and that, yeah. that also decides whether I do. If I don't like the music, I won't design the sleeve. Okay. But there's been times in my life when I've needed the money, and I have. But ninety-five percent of the time, I, I would never design a sleeve for music I didn't like. No. Because the music always inspires me, and that's kind of my what my job. That's my what my life is describing music with visuals or sometimes the other way around, you know. So yeah. um, it's, it, they're, they're hugely important. Talking about some of the, the imagery that maybe you've used in your own designs, yeah. which will bring me up to what your your recent project and your the two new labels that you've come up with, which yeah. are, sound really, really interesting. I've looked at some of the imagery that you've done for the... So you've got two releases, two of which have already come out. This is what, for the new label? For the new label, for Pre. Not yet, no, due to manufacturing problems, the first release is actually out on Friday, on the okay. 1st of December. And the second release, so we're, we're, we're behind. There was supposed to be four releases this year, but now it's two this year and two in the new year. Cool. So Pink, Pink Lunch is the Pink first Lunch one. Pink Lunch is the out. first one, yeah. Amazing. So that was, you took a, am I right in thinking you took license in an image from? Yeah, there's a guy called Tommy Angura who, yeah. who I've been a fan of for a long time. He's an incredible illustrator. Um, and he, he's probably best known for doing his chil doing children's books. Mm -hmm. And he used to do children's books and also do a lot of political posters mm -hmm. um, in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Um, anti-Vietnam things and um, lots of anti-racism stuff. But he also did a really crazy um, book called Fornicon in, I think, 1970, which is basically just full of people having sex with machines, which is quite crazy. That's and I've always crazy. wanted to, to be honest, with you, I've always wanted to, there's a particular image in that I've used on the cover that I've always wanted to 
have on a record sleeve. So I kind of put this album together partly just so I could have his image on a sleeve. Yeah. So do you have, you do sleeve design and graphic design. I suppose that's one of the first things that you sort of approached. But is that the fir- your first entry into the music industry? Sleeve design? Mm, no, my first entry was, was working in a record shop. Working in a record shop. And yeah. you used to go to raves when you were 14, I read somewhere? I used to, not that was pre-rave. I used to go to um, clubs. Yeah, I used to go to clubs when I was 14, but they were kind of like, trying to think like, when, maybe 14? Yeah, 14, 15, pre, yeah, early teenager. But yeah, that, that, that was before the rave days. I'm sounding really old now, but that was <laughs> but yeah, that's before you had, the, before the word rave even in that term was yeah. even used. Yeah, so I've been going to clubs for a long, long time. Amazing. Yeah. Do you have a favourite discipline that you that you do? So is it design? Do you, do you love making music? Do you love running? The thing is, I just get bored very, very easily. So okay. the reason I do loads of different things is I, I never in my life, it's actually been quite destructive to me. I, I'd probably be a lot more successful than I am now if I'd stuck to one thing, but okay. I've, ne- I've never been able to do that. I always bounce between different things mainly yeah. because I like doing, I find it more inspiring to do loads of things at the same time. Okay. And also, as I said, I get bored. So if I spend a year doing design, then I want to stop doing design and do a year uh, doing some, do a bit of music. And that's kind of how it always works. I, I don't, um, I, I mean, I got out of music for a long time. It, it, like when I, cl- I had my label output and I closed that in 2006, I've kind of, um, yeah, got out of the music industry for quite a few years because I just was yeah. sick of it for many reasons. Okay. So that was the, the only time I've really, since I was a teenager, stepped back from music almost entirely. But pretty much most of the time I'm running both two or three careers pa- in parallel to each other, which at the time, in the kind of 90s was quite weird, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to be a designer, graphic designer, yeah. making music, doing film, DJing, all these things. It was quite, but now every, everyone does it, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Do you feel quite lucky in a way then that you've been able to experience all those and kind of balance them, dip in and out and kind of forge uh, a career with, with many things rather than... Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I feel, I feel fortunate that I still am able to do something that I love. I've always, I, I mean, I'm still working in areas that, I, that I'm highly passionate about you know and I've yeah you know uh, yeah that's that's what I feel most blessed about really it's quite that's very lucky yeah okay and where you say you've had a break from music is that where we come up to with the pre-label and you're now releasing music that maybe you made a no 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 no, no. that was like kind of the, the I got out of music maybe two yeah 2006 for the label and various personal issues and just bad shit happened in my life and I got out and then I did the metal dance compilation to what I can't remember where that was maybe 2011 2012 or something because that was an easy, I kind of started feeling frustrated and thinking, you know what, I need to start doing something. Mm-hmm. And it was fairly easy for me to put down a compilation of, put together a compilation of other people's music. I wasn't making any statement about myself and I wasn't yeah. really, you know, I had a lot of music sitting around that really, uh, that, that I didn't want anyone else to hear. I'd always been making music and I was quite scared of getting any of my music out there. Just nervous about it. I'd lost all, I actually lost a hell of a lot of confidence about a lot of things. So I thought I'd do a compilation you know, a few heads will get into it, make me happy. Yeah. And I can get the chance to speak to some bands. I've, you know, the chance to be able to have an email with someone from a band is like that I've always loved was amazing. And then that actually did quite well. And it kind of boosted me to think, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should do another one. So I did Metal Dance 2. Mm-hmm. And then it was really in 2015 when Vinyl Factory approached me to do a project. And I did my former album, which is made up of all this, a, a selection of old music I had, had lying around. Again, stuff that I wasn't confident about, but, Sean the Bidder, who works at Vinyl Factory, was like, this is great. We, I want to do something with this. And I was like, you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, I really want to. And I was like, okay. And that really, and the reaction to that really kick-started me into thinking, you know what, maybe my music is still valid and maybe mm-hmm. people should still hear it. Even mm-hmm. though I'd lost faith in it and I wasn't interested in hearing it, that kind of really gave me the initiative to go back, go through hundreds of tracks, start compiling them all, editing them, yeah. and making them into albums that I could kind of put out. 
that's a very long answer to a short question. No, no, it's great. I love it. Do you feel quite passionate then about the music that you're releasing currently being quite in line with what you're into currently? Do I feel passionate? In terms of musically, do you... Because obviously you're releasing stuff that maybe you made that you made. It's, yeah, it's very it's very hard because it's kind of um, you know you may, I do a radio show fortnightly and I play ninety nine percent brand new releases. Yeah. And sonically, what's what's going on now? Really, I'm blown away at the amount of creativity there is in the underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm fairly out of touch with mainstream now, but in terms of underground music and even midstream, whatever that is, but in terms of underground people that release 150 records or someone that does their own thing on Bandcamp, I'm I'm you know, swimming in that kind of crazy shit at the moment. And it's, like I said, it's it's constantly inspiring. And if anything, yeah. it makes me feel more insecure about releasing old music because this old music is like, it was done on very primitive machines. The the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the options in terms of production-wise were quite limited, which is, I suppose, quite a good thing. But yeah, it's hard because now I'm in the process of releasing all this music and I've got this, all this new music around me that is brilliant. So um, I'm, I'm passionate about putting it out. It's a relief to put it out. Okay. Because my agenda is to put these releases out and probably have about eight to ten releases on the label and then close it. And yeah. then I'm just going to put out brand new music. And that, that for me, looking ahead to next year and be able to finally get back in the studio, yeah. make new music. I look at someone like Kieran Hebden and the fact he makes track just puts it out the next week or something. You know, I want to be in or people that can be highly prolific like mm-hmm. that. I want to get to a stage where I can make music and get it out straight away instead yeah. of, you know, I'm now putting out music, which is some of it's 20 years old, which yeah. is it's frustrating. Yeah. You know? But it's a good thing. I'd rather have it out there than sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. And, you know, we want to hear it. People want to hear it. I hope so. So that brings me on nicely to, you say you're going to close pre yep. next year. And then you're going to launch post. Yep. Which has a very interesting concept in that you can't buy this music online. You can't contact the label in any yeah, way yeah. via email or telephone number. It's all via mail. It's and all posting. by post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how why describe to me why you came up with that idea and why why you want post to, um, to be that way? All right, so I kind of explain why I want to close pre. So pre is really like a cathartic way of me ejecting all this music from my life, which I think is kind of has validity. And I kind of thought it didn't need you, need to be out there, but I do feel now, you know what, people should have some access to it. So mm-hmm. that's going to come out, and then once that comes out, and it closes. I wanted to set up a new label, but I've had labels before in the past and they've always been a very destructive experience. I've never enjoyed running a record label. I've never enjoyed, at the beginning it's always fun, but then it ends up being a bit of a nightmare. So I want to try and set up a, a label in a unique way without much pressure That's for me is fairly, um, it's fairly simple. And at the same time, I want to make it, I want it to be simple for me and I want it to be highly complicated for everyone else. Yeah, really. I want to find it. I want to find it. I'm not a fan of convenience no. <clears throat> in any way. I don't like the way that music and culture in general has become so highly accessible and easy to become part of. And I like things. I, I've struggled most of my life to be able to um, to obtain things that I'm passionate about. And I kind of would like to flip that. And I want if I put out this music, that people are interested. It might not be music. It might be other things I'm going to put out on the label, objects or magazines or okay. film. I don't know what I'm going to do. on the, It's going to be a platform for my creativity in a way. It sounds yeah. highly pretentious, but it's not meant to be. Okay. And I just want people to actually struggle to try and get hold of it or at least make an effort. Yeah. So that's mainly the idea. I mean, they're going to be super limited things. And I just like the idea that there'll be no website. There's no phone number. Already people are emailing me and I send us an email saying... 
a, a set email saying no correspondence to do with post will be um, conveyed via by email. Mm -hmm. um, and what well, basically the idea is what I'm going to do in the when the label and pre closes, I'll have a mailing address yeah. that people have to send a stamp addressed envelope to, and then I'm going to send back the first mail order sheet with things they can buy, and they just have to purchase stuff and communicate with me via okay. letter and post, which is probably frustrating and annoying for some people but I think it's quite a, a fun idea I think it's incredibly fun and it's interesting to me largely because so as I told you before we sat down I yep. run social media for Rough Trade yep. and obviously social media is incredibly incredibly current but incredibly yep. fast incredibly smash and grab yeah and this is everything that that is not and many people in the music industry or when they're trying to push anything creatively want to put it across as many channels and tell as many yeah, people yeah. as possible and there's yeah. this you're right there's no wait let's stop and think about people have to think about what they're doing or like take time or put effort in to yeah. getting something and that's very much what this seems to be which I it's, think it's, it's, yeah i mean the social media thing is kind of for me it's frustrating as an artist to have to prom i kind of promote myself mm -hmm. and the culture and the generation i came from there's nothing worse and you know someone just shouting and plugging what they're doing all the time is just incredibly boring yeah and I, I hate the fact that I'm gonna I'm becoming one of those people because I have to promote my music you know yeah but at the same time as I said before most of the music I'm passionate about a lot of people don't know about and it gets no press and no social media but I come in a shop like this or various shops and I can find music that's not written about anywhere yeah and for me that adventure of digging for records and finding new things that's the kind of audience I want to appeal to. Mm -hmm. You know, in a way, I wish I hadn't have told people. I mean, I had to tell people about it somehow. Yeah. But it would have been nice for people just to discover this idea. But I would, I just like, like the idea of kind of getting off the grid a little bit. I'm not the only person that thinks like that. You know, I'm addicted to my phone and I don't want to be. And I want to, you know, to be able to get to that point where I just be like, you know what, social media, I'm off it. I don't need to tell people about what I'm doing on social yeah. media anymore. Exactly. If they want to find out about what I'm doing, they they'll can just, yeah. they'll, come, they'll come to me somehow, you know. Yeah. I really like that. Thank you. So, we got you in here today to select some records and yep. from those records, your favourite tracks that you're going to okay. chat through with me. Do yep. you want to kick off with the first one? Uh, the first one is by John T. Gast. Uh, it's an album called In the Babylon that came out on cassette on, I'd see, I don't even know if John T. Gast is a man or a woman. I assume it's a man. Um, I, assume, um, but no, because the thing is, because the, the, as an artist, they're quite mysterious. I don't know much about this artist at all. Okay. Uh, associations with kind of like Hype Williams and and that kind of crew, but I've never seen a photo of this person. And I've been buying, I bought yeah, bought quite a lot of my, but I think I bought every release I've done actually. And it's quite hard to describe, but this track is called um, Kelt Funk. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really, it, I mean, it's just quite an interesting album. It takes a lot of, I say he again, I, let's assume it's a he, <laughs> but it takes a lot of influences, influences from kind of old traditional kind of ancient music and puts it in a very contemporary place. Some of the releases are quite very uh, quite techno and stuff, but this particular album is a really interesting album. So that's my first track is Celt Funk by John T. Guest. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that was John T. Gast, Celt Funk, from the Inner Babylon album on Five Gate Temple. And that's weird because when I do my radio show, I never say what a record is. I just talk a bit at the beginning, play the records, talk in the middle at the end. So this is really weird for me to actually oh, really? have to announce what a track is. Do you get lots of people kind of like trying to get in touch with me like, what was that? Yeah, but the track list goes up on NCS uh, okay. two days later. So it saves me the hassle and I yeah, can yeah. fit in more music. Um, so the next record I'm going to play is by Hector Zazu and Bikai, an album called Noir et Blanc on Cram Discs. Uh, it's an album from the early 80s. Cram Discs is a label start i mean it's been around it's still going it's been around for 37 years or something um and this is an album i've had for a long time one of those albums that you kind of like you kind of in a way wish no one else knew about i mean they've reissued it and i'm kind of glad this album i'm glad because it's such a brilliant record everyone needs to own it and it's a mixture of this guy hector zazu who is a, a french musician and an african musician um bikai and these crazy guys called c c y one who were like synth pioneers, modular synth pioneers in the early 80s. And they put together this crazy fusion record of African music and electronics and stuff, wow. which is just really astounding album. And they've, um, it's just been reissued on Cram Discs. And it's definitely a essential record. And if you've got it already, it's worth getting because there's um, a download code with all these demo versions, which some of them are as good, if not better, than the original album. So it's a really cool. um, brilliant album. The track I've chosen, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, is A Yayay. Yeah, 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 yeah
next with a with a connecting link is a new album on Cram Discs um, by Matias Aguayo and the Death Demoners, an album called Sophonopolis. Um, I've been a huge fan of Matias's music since his first album as, as Closer Music on Compact, which I think was the late night, early early 2000s. And um, he makes solo albums now. And this new record he's made with his band, live band, the Desdemonas. Um, I heard it a long time ago. I probably heard it over a year ago. Matthias came over to London and he played it to a few select friends in this really weird, this guy's flat in Whitechapel, which was, uh, it, the guy had a little club in his in his house like a mad little like a club bar in his house and okay. dark like something out of a David Lynch yeah something out of a David Lynch movie cool. and he just played me the record and from then I was it's it's like a really magical quite a kind of um, it's got some crazy voodoo to it this record so I heard it first then and then it took him a while to kind of put it all together and it came out <coughs> came I think it came out last month okay um, but it's a little bit different people that know his last music he does a lot of stuff a lot of his last stuff was more clubbing a bit more electronic and this is far more liver. Um, he's a brilliant performer and uh, the track I've chosen is called I Was A Star.
the last track I'm choosing, I don't know much. And when we talked before about, I know about the underground, not much about the mainstream, the middle ground, I'm a little bit, I don't know too much either. So there's a band called Moon Diagrams that maybe people know, I don't know anything about them. Um, but it's a, it's a remix um, of the track End of Heartache by Happy Meals from Glasgow. I've heard a few of their records. And I love their music. And this remix is just beautiful. It's kind of, it's just uh, got a great song, good melody in it. Not that that matters to me all the time. I'm more, a lot of the time I'm more into textures and sounds. But it's just it's a really great remix. And uh, I think it's out on a seven inch. Um, comes out 1st of December.
doing shoplifting in here is quite interesting because I told it before, but some people might not know. I've told this story before, but when I was younger, I worked in a record shop mm-hmm. um, called Loppy Lugs in Edgware, where I grew up in North London. And the boss was such a crook, this South African guy who was a complete crook. I stole so many records off him and, and probably a quarter of my record collection is records that I stole. Really? That I shoplifted from the shop I was working at. Wow. So you're like the most appropriate guest ever. I think for, for shoplifting An without actual a doubt. Shoplifting. And I haven't been. Uh, true, I can't get arrested now, can I? This late, in, like thirty I'm, years later. I'm going to say no, and we'll make sure maybe this doesn't fall into that. Well, he did. So he used to run a video shop, right? Okay. And I remember that one time he had me in the toilet, dunking videos into the toilet to try and he. I had to dunk about five hundred videos into water, right. into dirty water, so he could claim them back as an insurance. Oh my gosh! So I've, I've I've been ever since then I've been skilled in the art of um, criminality. Well, maybe he deserved being shoplifted he, from. Well, he, no, exactly. I wasn't the only one. So, Every member of staff used to steal stuff. But anyway, onto anyway. onto this. Sorry. So, I was going to ask you if you would like to play one of your tracks for us. And I don't want to because I never normally I don't ever play my own music. And okay. as I said, the thing is, playing music, which is this this track, is what, from it started in 1998. So how long? That's nearly 20 years old. So this is music from nearly 20 years ago that I kind of tweaked and worked on over a period of maybe five, six years after that. And all the music that I do now just sounds awful compared to the new music I hear. But I shouldn't say it sounds awful. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. To me, it only sounds awful because I've heard it a million times. Not because I think it's not a very good track, but it's yeah. just kind of does my head in. So to people that haven't heard it before, mm-hmm. this is a track called Plexus. It's the first track off of my Pink Lunch album, which is the first release on my new pre-label. And that's out. I don't know when this podcast is being um, broadcast, but it's out on the 1st of December on um, very limited edition double vinyl and a limited edition CD. So, so rush out in, and buy it. Yeah, Come, come into in, Rough Trade and get it. Come into Rough Trade and get it. Yeah.
So that was your track. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks so much for coming down. It's a long, you know what? It's a bit of a schlap for me to get here. It's a is long it? way away. It is. The, oh, but, you know, it's a rough trade. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I came Thanks all so of three minutes away. Yeah. Blimey. Okay. Well, round of applause if there are an audience here. Thank you. But, um, no, thank you so much for coming down. It's been great having you here. Really excited to talk to you. Now done it. Now, now it's just a bit when I go around the shop and I can pick as many records as I want for free in like five minutes. Yeah, that's a bit. And then, you've got to, I thought this was and then you have to run out the store as quickly as you can. No, but you know what? The security it. guard here is actually what I've got, you know, not only the staff lovely here, the ones I know, oh, but the security guard here is one of the nicest security he guards. Is. He's such a, I don't even know his name. He is lovely. He's lovely. So um, I wouldn't do that to him because I think that, he, you know, at the beginning when I, you know what it's like, I look a bit dodgy. So I come in here. <laughs> I always used to get the security guards checking me out, like looking, seeing what I'm doing. And then finally they know me. But okay. I don't want him chasing me down the street. So I won't steal anything from here today. Well, if we go out and I take a few pictures of you in the shop. People can go online and like see how dodgy you look. Is that right? Fine. Okay, cool. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Bye. Rough Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.